freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Saul. 23 and 10. Oh, that's not right. 17 and 10. Excuse me. 20 and 13. 20 and 13. I just had this earlier. <laughs> On Seattle Sports Station. Where's the buff dudes at? Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming audio and video on the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. Uh, we originally planned to do a little buy-sell right now, but I just I get the sense that the prospect of Mike McDonald coming here to Seattle mm-hmm. is big enough, and this news is big enough in the moment that I think this is kind of all we're going to be doing here for the next 45 minutes or so. And we don't know yet what this means other than trying to piece together you know, the little puzzle that's been laid out to us and the fact that he interviewed for the first time yesterday that the Seahawks went all the way to Baltimore to meet with him, that they waited all this time, right, to hire somebody because they were waiting to meet with him. The fact that they said they were willing to wait until after the Super Bowl, even if Baltimore had won on Sunday. And then the fact that he's now coming back here 3,000 miles away to meet with them again the next day. Mm -hmm. I mean, it feels like a whirlwind romance. It doesn't feel like the kind of thing you do to at the end of it be like, actually, no, we're going to go with the guy we talked to two weeks ago. It just doesn't yeah. feel right. No, it doesn't. But it also stands in some contrast to some of the things that John said a couple weeks ago, right, when he when he sat there at the mm-hmm. press conference and he talked about, and Brady had made this point, and you had furthered it and everything else, that, hey, you hire a D coordinator, you know, the, the, the risk of that is you're going to have an offensive coordinator. He does well. That guy's going to be out the door versus, you know, you hire an offensive guy, a play caller, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan, like look around, Andy Reid, like these guys are, are there for, for the long haul. And you may have to replace your D coordinator, but that's just kind of less holes to fill. But I think ultimately that little anecdote that KJ shared about John when he said, why did you draft this guy? Mm-hmm. Because he's the best dude there. Why did you interview all these guys? Why did you settle on Mike McDonald? Because he's the best candidate. Like, you know, we, we did all our homework. We've done all our due diligence. We've done all we can. We've asked all the questions we can. We've got great compare and contrast because we've had five or six different interviews, mm-hmm. double interviews. And this guy, just from a, a candidate standpoint, a prospect standpoint, was the best. So we've had a lot of people and we've played a lot of sound on our show and on the station here over the course of the last few weeks about McDonald. Let me play you some of it just to give kind of a more clear picture of who he is and what he could be. Uh, Let's start with, this was Steve, and I apologize, I don't know which show each of these were on, but here was Steven Ruiz. Beyond the stuff that you can even see on the field, like you can watch his film and see why he's such a great defensive mind, why the Ravens are so good on defense. But like when you talk to people that work with him and work under him, it's his ability to teach and to relay messages and I think that is what matters more as a head coach. I think his X's and O's are going to come in handy if he ever gets a head job. But I think that's what his organization, his vision, his his ability to organize the defense. I don't know how that's going to translate to the other side of the ball, but you would think that it would translate a little bit. And if he can, if he's as good at putting together a defense as he is as hiring an offensive coordinator, then he's going to be a really good head coach. I like that word communication and teaching. Yes, teaching. And, you know, when you've been a secondary coach, a D-line coach, a, line, a linebacker coach, a D-coordinator, like you can wear all those hats and you can you can teach. And he did it in Michigan. You know, he got thrown in there at Michigan, Salk, with a bunch of the other assistants that had been there with Don Brown. He had to teach him, this is the system. This is what we're going to do. And it's totally different. We're going to mix. We're going to match. We're going to coverage match. We're going to do things totally different than Don Brown's system did. And he did it. And he implemented it to a lot of success and got him to a playoff game. Did so well that then John Harbaugh said, hey, Jim, 
yeah, I'm going to need Mike back. So I'm going to take him back in the building. And all he did was build one of the best defenses yeah. this year in the NFL. Uh, Greg Rosenthal uh, said what you guys were talking about a few minutes ago. I love the idea of Mike McDonald, the, the Ravens defensive coordinator. I was just watching their defense this morning, and he's just done such a good job against that coaching tree. To me, Mike McDonald has shown this year – he feels like the the Shanahan tree killer. Like he's done so great against those offenses that to me he'd be a fun choice. Yeah, it's on with Bump and Stacy saying that wasn't Bob. I don't think that was Bob's laugh. I don't. Maybe things have changed. Maybe that was Wyman. Who knows? But it sounded like yes. Stacy to me. I, I would agree. Uh, I would Shanahan coaching tree killer. That mm-hmm. sounds pretty good. Jerry Sandusky. Not that Jerry Sandusky, but the one who is the Ravens play-by-play announcer was on earlier this week as well, and he loves the guy. Mike has uh, several strengths. One, he has tremendous rapport with the players. Two, he has tremendous respect from the players. And three, you just touched on it, his ability to adjust to a game plan, adjust the game plan to the situation is remarkable for such a young coach. So many coaches in the NFL are great coordinators from Monday through Saturday. Put together the plan, have everybody in place, do a great job coaching everybody up. And then Sunday, the plan doesn't fit the situation and they don't adjust. So he does, and then he also answered the questions about whether or not he's an introvert, which was one of the things that came up. Is he an introvert? Can he lead people? That came up on this show on Monday when I wasn't there, Brock, and you and Brady uh, had someone on. But. Mike's not an artificial guy. Mike's a genuine guy, and and I would I would not call him a yeller screamer by any stretch. He's not a rah-rah guy. Look, you've, you've had one of the great motivational coaches of all time in Pete Carroll, and what made Pete Carroll so effective was that's who he is. Players want authentic. Players do not want this guy's a yeller screamer. He's a he's a motivator. Or he's an players want a, a genuine person and a, a consistent person. This is Mike's strength. Mike is the same guy on Tuesday as game day after a win, after a loss. It's a long season, guys. They spend a lot of time together. They don't want somebody who's one coach in front of the media. One coach in front of the team. They want somebody who's authentic in every situation. And Mike McDonald, I would say, is very even keel. He can get he can get as intense as he needs to get, but he's authentic and he's consistent, and those are his strengths. Well, and based on the uh, article that came out today in The Athletic, it sounds like that's exactly what is destroying Robert Sala right now in mm-hmm. New York, that he's just not able to be authentic yep. and the same person wherever yep. he goes. Yep. That uh, as I, I listened to that, I just couldn't help but think of my two years with Tony Dungy. Totally authentic. Did he walk in and change the temperature of the room in his own way? I mean, different than Mike Holmgren, different than Pete Carroll, different than others that I was around. But, man, totally and completely authentic. I'll tell you what. We could have two coaches if this goes down today. Two football coaches in Seattle between Jed Fish and Mike McDonald that never played college football. <laughs> hardly played high school football. Right, Jed was a tennis player, in fact, and Mike he got injured and didn't play his senior year of high school football down there in Georgia. And there's something to that, you know, is, is you know, we chatted in the opening hour about that with Ross Tucker, like, hey, man, you're starting at the bottom. You're a GA. Nothing is handed to you. It is the opposite of a coach's son being in the building because of the last name. It's dead opposite. It is. You got to work and prove everything. And like Jed, who was interested in law, Mike McDonald's interested in finance, had all sorts of other opportunities. And I think the word we used for Jed Fish was adaptability. Mm. I hear that with all of these different folks that we've had on the airwaves this week talking about his plan and being adaptable to your personnel and adaptable to your people. The only thing I think that, that the biggest bridge he's got to cross over, Salk, and this is where maybe John Schneider helps him and helps lead him in that, is surrounding him with a staff. 
because he was at Georgia as a GA and then as a as quality control and everything else. And then he was at Baltimore one year in Michigan. He doesn't have roots with all these other NFL franchises and all these teams. And by the way, to clarify, because Brady texted you and I during the break, you just can't go out and get an Evero. Carolina may not let him out of that contract. You know, the Giants may as not let him. As a defense coordinator. As a defensive right. coordinator. So, you know, and they can just say, sorry, you're still a D coordinator. Even if they give you a title of associate head coach, we've got to let you out of your contract. They may not do that. Would the Giants do that with Dave Ole, who's kind of taken over play calling duties with Kafka? Possibly. But I think that that is just kind of the biggest hurdle that he's going to have to, to jump over because he's never done it and he's not as connected as some and he's really, really young. Can you put the people around you to implement your plan? He's 35. It's unreal. Right? Is he, would he be the young? Was, he's younger than McVeigh is now, right? So would he Are be you the, sure he's 35? Uh, 35 or 36. I just looked okay. this up a few minutes ago. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Would that make him the youngest current head coach in the league? Be crazy to go from Pete Carroll to, to a guy who's less than half his age. <laughs> it's really fairly remarkable if that happens, right? Probably younger than Brennan Carroll. Probably is, or certainly yes. right around there. So yeah. we'll see if this goes down today. Gerard uh, Mayo is currently the youngest at 37. Okay, so there you go. Brennan, Brennan Carroll's 44. Yeah. So he'd be younger than any of those Much guys. younger. He, they, you'd have the youngest head coach. I, I kind of like that. I do kind of like, I think when people get hired that young, there tends to be a good reason for it. Yep. Theo Epstein at 27 with the Red Sean Sox, McVay. Sean McVay a couple of years ago with the Rams. Like when guys are like inappropriately young for mm-hmm. a job, it does seem like they're a really good reason why they get hired. So yep. hopefully all of that will be true and we'll see if this gets done later today. We'll come right back with everything you need to know. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, by all accounts, there is a second interview taking place today. Mike McDonald, defensive coordinator of the Ravens. They met yesterday in Baltimore, and he is meeting them here today, meaning all parties have flown across the country twice, or at least at least once, if not twice, in order to make this happen. Tom Pelissero had the initial report. Brady Henderson a few minutes ago confirming that he will be here today for that interview. And it's hard for me to fathom that all of this would go down just for them to hire somebody else when this is all said. Well, you have to be by the book. I think all of this has been just as thorough as it could possibly be. So do you want to make sure, like, hey, we interviewed all these other guys twice, and, you know, this was not our guy all the way along. I don't want any precedent or any thought out there that, yeah, you, you did. would have to do that, You did all these interviews, but you were just kind of waiting to hire this guy all the way along. No, 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 no. We treated him the exact same way. We interviewed him twice. Yep. We brought him back. I mean, I think part of it is not necessarily just protocol, but presentation that we did all of our due diligence and done all of our homework. And we need this guy in our building. We had the other guys for second interviews in our building. Mm -hmm. We need this guy in our building around our people. As KJ said, you want him. You know what? You want him around Sam Ramsden. You know what? You want him around Eric Kennedy. You want him around people that have been there for 20 some years doing this stuff because they've got an immense feel for what the culture is. You know, when that was the charge to John Schneider from Jody Allen, Brady mentioned this five times on Monday. What was the one charge that Jody gave to John Schneider through this process? Hey, man, keep a lot of the culture. We love the culture. Keep a lot of those things in place. Bring somebody in that's just going to breathe maybe some new football into this culture. So meeting all the people, 
the important people in that building. I think that's what today's about, and hopefully an announcement later today or first thing tomorrow. Well, we'll find out. He uh, has really, really blown a lot of people away. Ian Rappaport said this. And the Mike McDonald one is fascinating to me because, first of all, I've talked to a couple teams who interviewed him. It sounds like he has been really dynamic in some of these interviews. I had one uh, person involved with one of the head coach searches who said this was the best interview we had by far. He is young. He is bright. Sort of the defensive Sean McVay is how he was described to me. And the fact that Seattle was willing to wait until after the Super Bowl to talk to him gives me Shane Steichen vibes. That makes me think he is a really, really strong candidate in, in Seattle. We will see where it goes today, but certainly that is one to watch. 37 in June, he'd be the youngest coach in the NFL. Hmm. He'd be half the age of one Peter Carroll. Pretty pretty hard to fathom. We'll stay on it over the course of the morning and see how this goes. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, the Mariners made a couple of moves yesterday in addition to the big move they made with Jorge Polanco, also acquire Samad Taylor. He can kind of play infield, outfield, but that guy can run. He has only played a little bit in uh, Major League Baseball just a little last year, but he's got options. He can start in AAA. Maybe he'll come up at some point. They also in the last week picked up Cole Tucker from Pittsburgh, who's another guy who's middle infielder, can run around, has some speed. And then yesterday it was also Nick Solak, who's been around uh, with, what, uh, Texas and Detroit and Atlanta, another utility guy. They seem to be stocking up on Sam Haggerty replacements. So you could put a four by 100 team together with the Mariners in their system. Yeah. And it may be the fastest in baseball. Right, you've got the the guy you traded for last trading deadline, Bliss, Bliss, who stole like sixty bags. You got another dude that was even below him. Gosh, I'm blanking on his name. Jerry would know his name. Uh, Ron, a class A, Jonathan Class A. Uh, yes, didn't he still steal like seventy he bags? Can, he can run. He can absolutely run. This guy was in the top five percentile of fastest, like twenty nine feet per second. I mean, it's Haggerty, Dylan Moore. They did pass on and move on from uh, from Caballero. And then Julio may be faster than any of them when it's all said and done. So, yeah, clearly some speed and athleticism awfully important to what they're trying to do. Here's the third thing you need to know. Yeah, great poll. Yeah. Hey, by the way, great poll. Class, class A, Jonathan, class A. Seriously. Yeah, great. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. Thank yep. you for thank you for recognizing. You're welcome. It's really nice of you. Um, yeah, the Kraken stunk last night. You got you to beat San Jose. Am I, is it worry time? About, time to get worried about, about Matty Beneers? Yes. No, because he's so young, but he's not had a good year. A lot of these so young guys come in and just kind of light it on fire. They do, but most of those guys, in my experience, are the gifted scorers, mm-hmm. and that's not supposed to be the number one part of Beneers' game. Not that he can't put the puck in the net, not that he won't score goals, but Matty Beneers is supposed to be a great two-way center. And to so he's got six goals that. in 50 games this year. Six. Yes, he's I got know. a plus minus a minus 12. That's the part I'm concerned about. Yeah. Yes. But I'm not concerned about the goals. Okay. I'm concerned about the play. I'm okay. concerned about the defense. I'm concerned about the giveaways. They were certainly on display last night. And I do think that some of that will change as he just gets bigger and mm-hmm. gets in the league more. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's, it's not been a good year for Matty Benier. So that's everything you need to know. Quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk show. And yeah, we're just going to keep following this story all morning long. I don't appreciate the people trying to send me fake, fake uh, tweets mm. from a fake Bob Condota, et cetera. Mm. We'll, we'll, we'll vet everything. We're not just going to go, you know, 
jumping out and reporting news before it's uh, real. But it certainly feels very important that this mm-hmm. is happening on back and back to back days. And 916 says, come on, Salk. All the coaches were interviewed the same. It looks in favor of Mike McDonald because he was still preparing for the AFC championship game. I don't believe that. Uh, in my book, if you interviewed him yesterday and it wasn't the right fit, you'd yep. know. You wouldn't fly him you, all the way across the country. It just doesn't make sense. Probably on your plane. I don't think he would stay the night, sleep in his own bed, and then you'd wake him up at 6 a.m. to fly all the way commercial across the country. If your Vulcan Air is there, which it is, you probably keep him on that jet and say, hey, now let's fly back. This, this is great, but we're going to carry this on. Do you think he on. was on the plane with th- John, et cetera, I, last night? I would think so. I, I honestly well, would then, think then, so. Then second interview feels very different, right? If you've spent all that time together, and obviously we don't know what that means. But mm-hmm. I got to be... Uh, you I may gotta... want to look over. I mean, is he a mouth breather? You know, Ooh. does he slobber on the plane? Does he sleep? Does he sleep on the plane? Is he grinding on the plane? Right. You know, what does he probably... eat on the plane? Yeah, all that good stuff. Hmm. He is a young whippersnapper. I'll tell you what, man. If, if I were up for a big job and they said, hey, we'd like to fly with you across the country, mm-hmm. I would pass. You would? Yeah. Yeah. Because I will fall asleep the second I get. I cannot stay awake once that plane starts going. I would hundred percent pass because I would be <sighs> right. Just yeah, you're mouth disgusting. breathing, slobbing, no. Thank and we you. know about your farting issues when you get on a plane as well. Like you, well, you get off, off the, the plane, plane. and then those the guys have pressure. to like run yes. away. So yes. yeah, I see where that's going. Yep. Hopefully, Mike McDonald's better than you or I am when they get when he gets on a plane. Yeah, and uh, maybe that's how this whole deal gets done. All right. Uh, lots more on this to come, and then we do have a ranked for you coming up in 20 minutes. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. 15 minutes away from ranked. Uh, if you have a moment, I would hope that you do. This morning, a little baseball reading for you up at seattlesports.com. I wrote about the three important words we heard from Jerry Depoto yesterday. Find a way and go into a lot of depth as to what that meant to him, to his staff, and how it explains quite a bit of this Mariner offseason. So uh, we were going to talk a little bit more about that today, mm-hmm. but uh, we don't have time because Mike McDonald is coming back for a second interview with the Seahawks, and it sure feels like there's a pretty uh, pretty strong trail of breadcrumbs that makes a lot of us believe yeah. he could end up being the next head coach of the Seahawks. So I would assume you will stay listening to this station all day. Generally, this news seems to break during Bump, Bump and Stacy. They get all get so the big breaking, breaking news. news. I know. Get the best schedule and the breaking news. So uh, stick around for them. They'll come up in a half hour, and they'll probably get to break whatever story is out there. Mm -hmm. But if not, I would think Wyman and Bob get to do it later today. So uh, that's kind of been our focus throughout the morning because once that news came out, yeah, I think it strikes both of us the same way. It's not a done deal. It doesn't mean this is happening, right? But it sure feels like it's going to. Yes. Yeah. So let's uh, let's go through another. If this is a, a little, you know, show tree mm-hmm. and all the different tentacles and arms to it, let's let's do this exercise one other way. I want to get to a Ross Tucker cut. Ross was on with us this morning. Ross has spent time with Mike McDonald. Just last week, he was on the sidelines with him. He sat in a production meeting this season. I think all of that is very beneficial. He yep. walked away from those meetings like I did when I had Mike McDonald a couple years ago in Michigan. But before that, let's just do this little exercise, Salt. If I were to say to you, Pete Carroll was fired and let go because the biggest deficiencies in the program the last three, four, five years have been what? What does the program lack the last three, four, five years? I mean, line of scrimmage. Line of scrimmage, that's number one on my list. Strong coordinators. 
Okay, that's uh, I call that X and O sure. horsepower. Yep. That's right there. Yep. Com- too much compromise okay. with the identity not fitting with your, not sticking with your real identity and compromising with too much around you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we could go from there. Yeah. I know I details all... are going to come up. That's not ever been Pete's strength, but yep. I wouldn't say that's why Pete why it blew up on Pete. Nope. I don't think it, I mean, that's always been a quote unquote weakness of his. That didn't Mm -hmm. change. I don't see that as being the reason. I think the last part is probably just, you know, some of just a loss of control at the very end. Yep. What are some of the biggest strengths from the program that Mike McDonald is coming from? Mm. What is the biggest strength? Identity. Slavish devotion to the identity. Right. Slavish devotion to big people at the line of scrimmage. Mm -hmm. Slavish devotion to understanding the game is won in the trenches. When Pete Carroll on his way out said, unfortunately, gosh, I could just never. And he said it with us on that Monday, you know, like, you know, what's wrong? I just can't, we just can't get back to that edge. Mm -hmm. Stopping the run and running the ball. What has Baltimore done? Three different quarterbacks. And yeah, Lamar is a big, big factor in it, but it hadn't just been Lamar. Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl there, right? They've done it with different people, but just a, I mean, they are their brand. They are the Ravens way and the Ravens way is physical. The last time we did this exercise, <laughs> right, and, and you were you pinned me down and said, what do you want? Mm-hmm. What what kind of team? Oh, I want a team that can win. No, what do you want? I want a team that's – no, what kind of identity do you want? I want the Ravens way. Isn't that what we both said then? Like yeah. all we wanted was the Ravens. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want that style. I want someone that's just been, yeah, engrossed in it as Mike McDonald has. And then coordinate a defense that, you know, can can take apart the Shanahan tree. Because that's your division. You don't counter-program. That's never a good idea in any business, in any medium. But you know what? It is real in this division that Kyle's there and McVay is there and arguably two of the best play callers and mm-hmm. schemers and divisors in all the NFL are right well, in your division as young guys as well. And if, you've got to be able to tangle with And if that. you need to do that, Ross Tucker, who joined us earlier today, said this about McDonald's. There, there's no discussion about what he did this year with their defense. Like, none. I mean, you get guys off the couch who don't even go to training camp, like Clowney and Van Noy, to have career years. You lead the league in sacks with guys like that. Um, What he did defensively this year, and I would say even the adjustments he made to the Chiefs after those first two drives, to me, he's the number one defensive coordinator in the NFL right now. Now, what does that mean for a head coach? That's kind of a longer discussion. And we'll get into that, and and that's the flip side of it. That is about the only real question that I would have. It's well, just like staffing, yep. leading a whole group. When I asked him, hey, do you have a comp for me? Because you sat in these meetings, as I have, and get the opportunity to, and I could be like, yep, this is a great coordinator, but give me a comp. Here was Ross Tucker with a couple comps as far as who Mike McDonald could be as a head coach in this well, league. Well, it's interesting because when you say that, one of the first things I thought about was Jonathan Gannon. And Jonathan Gannon, his personality is such that the first time I met him, within maybe within maybe three minutes, I thought to myself, a thousand percent, this guy's going to be a head coach. <laughs> And I would say I thought Mike McDonald was impressive, but I wouldn't say that he's got that kind of dynamic personality. And I would also say, you know, maybe we overstate that. You know, I I know in Philly, the big thing was when they hired Sirianni, 
His first press conference, guys, it was bad. I mean, it was bad. <laughs> yeah, it was real bad. Malcolm, I, Malcolm Gladwell, I believe, wrote another book about this, about first impressions and mm-hmm. being very careful about that first impression. Like it went into different juries and, and different decisions and different hiring stuff. And, and that is what I said two, three weeks ago about Mike McDonald. I said, well, Ross said, like, man, when you sit with this guy, he's invigorating as a D coordinator. Is he a head coach, right? Is he just one that just changes that temperature of the room? You know, is, is he one that just did? But then to his point, like Matt LaFleur is not that guy. You know, is Zach Taylor that guy in Cincinnati, right? Other young guys that have been hired as first-time head coaches, was that their greatest strength? No. But you got to make sure, as you said, it's not a fatal flaw. Well, right. And, and you know, just on the con side of it, we've been, I think, building up a lot of the hype around McDonald throughout the morning, and for good reason. As I said, anybody on this list at this point would get me pretty excited. Mm-hmm. The fact that John took this much time and was this thorough, the fact that he didn't just have, you know, potentially a reactionary Dan Quinn hire is, I think, a, a, a really, really good sign mm-hmm. for where the Seahawks are going to go. And even if he goes off the board when this is all said and done with a Graham or an Avera or whatever, like, okay, the fact that those guys beat out, quote-unquote, stronger candidates would tell me that there's something really special there. So I'm going to feel pretty good with whatever he does. But, yeah, the concern is that it's about the guy I texted you about this weekend. I asked you this weekend, is Steve Spagnuolo the best defensive coordinator in the game? Well, according to, to Ross, that's, that's Mike McDonald, but Spagnuolo on any list has to be right near the top, yeah. and Schlereth said this about him yesterday on Wyman and Bob. There's some guys that that's, you know, that's kind of quote-unquote the Peter principle. You know, you rise to the level of your confidence, and, and at least he, you know, he probably knows that, and he knows where he fits. And uh, and that's fine. I mean, he's he's great at what he does. They have done an unbelievable job with that defense. You want to talk about you know the offense or excuse me the the defensive backfield, the coverage complementing the rush and the rush complementing the coverage. They do a great job with that stuff. And they are one of those teams that has the ability to press you, to reroute you, to you know, and to, and to hold up long enough for that rush to get there. Yes, yeah, Spagnola had to learn. Right, he, he was hired well, as a head was coach. He the head coach? Rams. The Rams. Yep, and it didn't work. Now, two guys that I was, was around. after Jeff Fisher. Yes. He followed Jeff Fisher in, in so. what yep. was then St. Louis, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I was around a couple guys that knew who they were. And that Peter Principle, they didn't try to be something they weren't. Tom Moore, Monty Kiffin. Monty Kiffin was a D coordinator for his son Lane at Tennessee when when I was calling games in the SEC. Like he he knew so much. Like yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to try to go down that road. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm best in this environment. And at 36, I mean, that is the thing that is just so striking. He is so young at 36. To your point, Salk, typically when a Sean McVay gets hired at that age, it's because there's some overwhelming trait. Like he is, he's uniquely gifted. And then we'll fill in and backfill where there's inexperience. And let's remember this as well. I think this is a critical component to it. You're going to be John Schneider's partner. He's had one partner for 14 years. So, you know, this whole process, you have also got to work right alongside, hip-to-hip, egoless, right? Make sure you, you, you're just totally lockstep in every way with what John wants to do because you're going to be his partner, just like Pete Carroll was his partner. And so I think this is some of that personality as well. I think it's why he's in the building today, meeting with all of the people that John's going to keep around, the fabric of that place. As I said, the, people kind of laugh at that and go, the equipment manager? 
Yeah, ask KJ, ask mm -hmm. Walter Jones, ask Steve Hutchinson, ask Hall of Famers the role that Eric Kennedy has played in that place. He's like the barber. Everybody wants to go and hang out with him. They all sit in his room, right? He, he is an incredible sounding board of so much wisdom, <laughs> seeing so many guys coming through for 30 years. So you don't think he's going to meet Eric Kennedy? You darn right he is. Sam Ramson's been there for 20-some years as a trainer and working his all way up, all the way ahead of their technology and science and development. You don't think he's going to be around those guys and see, hey, let's make sure this 30-something can connect with these 50-somethings that have been here for 20, 30 years and know this place inside and out. So I think that's what today is. And whether it's Bumper Stacy or Wyman and Bob, frankly, I'd be surprised if he's not the hire. Yeah. Yeah, at it, this point, it sure it sure feels like this is going to happen later today. And, you know, I don't think we're the only people getting that sense, but but it's not done yet. Nope. And I am curious to see what the rest of, if it, if it is him, what the rest of the staff looks like. Will one of these other names end up being a part of this? Brady's mentioned Mike Kafka as being a real possibility as an offensive coordinator here. And maybe in order to get him here, you got to make him a, you know, assistant head mm -hmm. coach or one of those types of, of names. And Dable's got to let go. The Giants got to let go of him. Technically, right. that's how it works in this league. That if you're a coordinator, that and Dable took over and, some of the play calling yeah, duties. So maybe last it's year. like, hey, we're going to let him call plays here. Generally, I think that, that, that head coaches allow that to happen mm -hmm. as long as there's some reasonable reason that the person is getting more responsibility. Yep. Now you saw Jonathan Gannon and that's who Ross mentioned. You, you know, look what Jonathan Gannon did. He was young and he hired even younger. Mm -hmm. His D coordinators in his twenties. I mean, just a really young to just kind of reach Gen Z and these guys you saw with Sirianni, the, the wheels kind of came off a little bit when, when he lost Steichen, Right when he lost Jonathan Gannon, and now I got to hire guys this year, and it didn't work so well. Had to fire both of those OC and DC and Sean Desai and mm -hmm. and uh, Johnson. So, yeah, that uh, those components and putting the people around him that's going to be a big part, I think, of John's job. And you know, the the next part of the story that um, will probably be a big, big facet of the script. I really wish they'd sent a private plane for me when I was first interviewing here. I mean, I told you about the the crazy story I had, you know, with canceled flights and trying mm. to get back from Nicaragua and getting here in the middle of the night, interviewing early the next morning. I mean, it's a miracle you and I ever yeah, ended up getting paired together. Yeah, speaking of first They really should have sent yeah, a the disrespect. Really, really should have sent a private. Where was the Bonneville private plane when I was uh, interviewing here in Seattle? Mora and Very Justin, disappointing. This, this may surprise you or not. I mean, you get the much softer, <laughs> calmer, grandfatherly Salk with the gray in his beard you know a couple kids now the salt that i had to sit and interview with was a very different character and then when i walked down the hallway and i sat with ron arquette and mm -hmm. owen murphy and carl gardner and they said hey what do you think you know you've you've done this you've interviewed and double interviewed a bunch of people i'm yeah. like i don't know i mean this is your job i don't even know what i'm doing but i know that guy in boston tonight <laughs> you're the worst <laughs> you are anyone the worst. but him yeah. anyone but that guy anyone but and him, you can but... see just how well they trusted you because they were like yep. uh no we're gonna go that's with our the guy. guy you hate <laughs> that's we're our gonna guy. we're gonna stick him in said there i hate oh, I you just said you said wouldn't I... work with me no i didn't say i wouldn't work with you no. I just said, man, I felt uncomfortable. And you know what they wanted? Uncomfortable <laughs> for your boy. And, you know, 15 years later, really here what we you are. said uncomfortable? I know. I, I didn't say I hate Jeez. and I didn't say I couldn't work. You said uncomfortable. I said there was some friction. Yeah. And that was my word. I said yeah. there was some friction. Darn right. Yeah, there's some friction there. <laughs> Darn you know right. You know what there they wanted? Was. They wanted sparks and friction. And yeah. That's what they got. Well, again, you can blame Keith Law and Albert Breer. They told me everything to say during that mock show because I didn't know one thing about the Mariners Griffey, or the Seahawks. On the bench. Nor do I now. 
now. So uh, nothing has really changed in the nearly 15 years since that interview took place a little bit later uh, in February. All right. It's time to finish off a loaded show today by ranking things. Got a list? Time to put it in order. Fred Dwarmfor's house. Top five. Top five meals that I have ever had. This is ranked. To be honest, that list was really biased. Every morning at 945 on Brock and Sock. Top ten list. I'm not buying it. Ranked. Uh, Justin. Yes, sir. We're ranking arms today. Arms. Why arms? Uh, well, I think we were yesterday we were talking a lot about the arms the Mariners had. Yes. That's why I was getting into this. Oh, that makes sense. Oh. Last night. Still going to be the strength of their uh, team. The team. Not did I you look at the young arms? Did you read uh, the Ken Rosenthal story yesterday? No. You should. I mean, he takes down ownership. It's pretty nasty. And worth your time. It's a good read. But in it, he talks about how good their pitching is. And I forget what the ranking system is, but the Mariners had five of the top 43, I want to say, pitchers mm. in the game. Mm. Starters. Mm. Miller and Wu were back to back at like 41 and 42 or 42 and 43. Yeah. And I'll say this. I was looking at the, the free agents that are left. If Jerry's like, hey, the next couple of weeks, you're going to see mm-hmm. some activity. There really wasn't a bat that fits anymore. Some no. of the guys are still out there. Right. J.D. Martinez is still out there. Some of these guys are still out there. But you know what does fit? Some of these relievers. Oh, yeah. There's some dudes with some pretty filthy yep. stuff that are still sitting yeah. out there. And that would be nice. The only guy that you could, if you really wanted to, if you really wanted to, and his price tumbles, you could take Matt Chapman on a short deal. Yes. But I don't I don't see that happening. All right, arms ranked, Brock. You wanna get sad for a moment? This is the one with the dogs. Yeah. Ugh. As long as it's become like a caricature of itself. It has. Like it, it is no longer that brutal. Oh, it's that commercial super, now. Just, just brutal. That one's tough. Take care, AJ. You know what movie this is? Yeah. I wish I could be there to walk you down the aisle. Bruce Willis. Uh huh. But I'm. Independence Day. No, what? <laughs> oh, it's at the end of. Uh, now it's the end. It, I, I know what it is. I can picture the scene. What is it? Well, what's their, what's our word that we're Arms. ranking? Arm. Armageddon. There, there we go. <laughs> Same thing. I knew you had it. Apocalyptic. <laughs> I knew you were going to get that. End of time. Yeah, of course. Yep. Arms are sweaty. Knees weak. Arms are heavy. There's vomit on his There you go. Arms are heavy. Independence Arms are heavy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was, who was in Independence Day? Will Smith, Will Smith and yeah. Bill Pullman and Harry Connick Jr., Jeff Goldblum. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, what in what, uh, Cousin Eddie. Vivica A. Fox. Uh, yeah, uh, Randy uh, Quaid. Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid. Mm-hmm. Such and the gist of it was? <laughs> well, there were aliens, Brock, that were... You know what? I'm not going to yeah, tell we're, you we're, we're doing arms right here. I'm not explaining the plot of Independence Day. It's a little Caddyshack for you. Oh, my arm. It's broken. Thank you, yeah. Uh, How he and Graz were not related, I just never. Rodney Dangerfield? Yeah. Seems like they should have been. Yep. What? Always one. Huh? There's always one you're leaving out. This is not a top five journey. It's not a top five. I know. Holy smokes. It's a little cheesy. Goodness. It's a little cheesy. Great arm. Yeah. Of course, you got Jeff Passon's The Arm. Oh, true. Don't leave that out. Mm-hmm. Leaving it out of top five. You got okay. Ana de Armas. You got Tony Armas, Tony Armas Jr., a couple of mm-hmm. baseball players. Yeah. Fred Armisen. 
Armed and Dangerous, okay. Farewell to Arms. That's uh, Hemingway. Mm-hmm. You got Army Hammer. That guy's trouble. He's out. Yeah. Next time you're going to tell me Arm and Hammer's not in the top five. Yeah, no, it's not. You got Million Dollar Arm. Paulie Shore was in. In the Army now. There you go. I knew you would get that one. Nice yeah. job, Justin. Brock, you know what this is for? We must protect this house! Under Armour. There we go. <laughs> founded in Baltimore. Of course. Where? Mike McDonald coach. <laughs> nice job. <laughs> Of course, you got Lance Armstrong. Lots of Armstrongs. Right. Neil. Yeah. Billy Joe. Louie. Louie. Yeah. A lot of Armstrongs out there. You going to give the people what they want? Are we? Five. Top We're five. getting there. I need you complain That's Army of Me from Bjork. Brock, you seem like a Bjork fan, no? No. No? That's weird. <laughs> That's one of the like 9,000 songs to have sampled the drum beat from uh, When the Levy Breaks. Hmm. In case you're wondering. Thanks. Speaking of armies. Ooh, yeah. Is this the greatest, or maybe current, modern, greatest stadium song? Maybe. It's become yeah. quite the stadium. This is on the playlist, baseball team's playlist. Haley put it together for me. Watch so Haley, me. I need a new playlist. My 70s and 80s rock doesn't work for these 14 year Right, and that's what so, you put on oh, there. Oh, that one's on it. That one moves the water. I was laughing. I was watching that, uh, the Sharks and Kraken last night in San Jose. They were playing like a deep rush cut coming back like for a face-off. Sweet. Xanadu. I was shocked, but I was pretty into it. I'm not going to lie. I no wonder. Actually, way, way into Abba. it. We're going to oh. Oh. The disrespect. Speaking of disrespect, why are we playing this? Why are we playing Creed? They're big not time now. Not a top five? No. Wow. Are you ready for the top five? Oh, you want the top five? I, I don't think. You can disagree with my top five. I understand, but this is my top five today. Number five, I don't have any sound, but the U.S. Army. Oh, sure. so you wanted to put those songs ahead of the U.S. Army? Is that, do you, did not, do you not, not respect the military? It's not what I said. It seems like maybe you don't respect the military. Sounds like you don't put them at number five. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, they're in the, my top five. You weren't even going to have them. <laughs> you were going to put, you know, Journey ahead Get it of together, them. guys. It's terrible. You're on the same team. Have some respect. I you're saying the armadillo segment. doesn't have a space in the top five. <laughs> no. G keeps going on and on about Moore's uh, outfits recently. How nice they are. He does. You keeping those in an armoire? Oh, my God. Oh, boy. Oh, that. Dang. I've been waiting on that one all day. All right, number... Oh, someone just texted me, the 931, alarm clock, Mora. Alarm. Alarm. Hey. That's pretty funny. Number four... Texted that in either. Nobody texted Didn't Armageddon. A single one of those. Oh my gosh, that's an all timer. Armageddon is very good. I think it's my favorite Def Leppard song. It's a hit. I love didn't it. know it, but it's good. It's a great song. It's a water movie. Uh, number three, I don't know, people, this may be cult classic. Maybe it's old school. Maybe nobody likes this movie anymore. But Army of Darkness is one of my all time favorites. Something's wrong. Something's amiss. <laughs> that's a silly line for it. We've Army often of played the boomstick line. Head yeah. Of Creed. Yeah. Army of wow. Darkness is a classic. Wow. So That's funny. Head of Jeff Passon. I've probably seen that movie a hundred times. And I know, I know oh. that number two is the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms. So we'll just go to number one. What do you got for number one? What do we got? What do we got? Uh, uh, all right. Number two. Great 80s song. I just died in your arms tonight. Cutting crew. 
Was this just Aileen Junior High and Piano High School, the dance? Or was, was it? Your school, too. Uh, oh, BBNN was like, all boys, right? No. It oh, was sorry. not. I thought it was oh, it was not. School. It was no. co-ed? Yes. Oh, really? It was co-ed. Did you guys have cool dances? Yes. Did you dance to that song? Is no. Dances? Did you ever dance to I'm, that song? What, three, four years younger than you? Maura, Justin, Libby. I didn't go not to that song. middle no. school in the 80s. Oh, really? I think they were playing like juvenile at my no. school. <laughs> I was I our just, DJ for all of our middle school dances. I could just picture Chris and Melanie. Egan. She was fair back in the day, but I'm sure they danced to that in the 80s and 90s, too. Oh, I believe that. Do you know they were high school sweethearts? I don't think I did, actually. Yeah, she was a cheerleader. I, I mean, that for some reason, that shouldn't surprise me. Yep. But I don't think I knew that. Okay. Number one for me is one of my favorite songs. And if you are a fan of the West Wing, the end of the second season ends with this song. And it's one of the most incredible writing slash directing slash photography slash acting performances ever mm. in any television show I've ever seen. It's Dire Straits. We're fools to make this is number one. Number one. Dire Straits' most underrated band. What? I love oh, Dire Straits. That's number one? Number one? Both oh for the song God. and the album, which has money for nothing. <laughs> maybe and your has... worst ranking ever. Nope, you're wrong. No, maybe. <laughs> you're wrong. You know I mean, nothing. Great songs. <laughs> you included all of them, but yep. your you order was a mess. Did you mention his book? Yeah, yeah he mentioned it. Yeah. Not in the top five. Yeah, do you Mora. listen to anything I say? Mora. No, not really. I'm sorry. Oh, there was a Mora. lot in here. Yeah. Mora, don't do oh. that. Mora. You're still we on top of every detail today, Mora. Sheesh. <laughs> it's a pretty big list, Brock. It's not a top five. It's well, it a top 35. Well, that's true. It's on how you choose to look at it. Uh, all right, we got to go. We'll see whether or not Mike McDonald is here when we get we back. Need to stop being armchair quarterback. Stick around. The news will probably break during Bump and Stacy. So make sure you listen to the station probably all day. Next. If it doesn't break with them, it'll break with Wyman and Bob. But either way, we'll talk about it at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. Until then, Brock the Hay. In the arm barn. 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 See you, everybody. Barn, barn. Get to the chopper!